<laughs> yeah. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready now. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready now. Alexander Sierra, thank you so much for accepting me. I'm very excited about today. Um, just like I was telling you earlier, I'm very excited about you. You're someone that I've been following for a very long time. You produce a lot of valuable content. Your personality is something that, that, that um, it's really fun to follow. Uh, again, you have a, a very outgoing, easygoing personality, but you can tell that definitely you know your stuff and that you're a go-getter. So I'm very excited about today's time that you just provided us. So thank you again for coming in. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It is my absolute pleasure. And hopefully somebody gets something out of this podcast or can relate with what I've gone through or how I've established myself. But I love your story and I am ready to go. Nice. Well, thanks again. Give us a quick intro as far as what is it that you do, a little bit of who you are before. Sure. So I am an attorney and an entrepreneur here in El Paso. I do primarily criminal defense work, focus on traffic tickets. Um, I have an app and kind of a leverage income business in addition to my law firm. And my side hustle is a doggy daycare and dog bakery. So two polar opposite things. Love educating the community. And El Paso is the place I've been the longest in my life other than my childhood home in Kansas. I love it. The weather's great. The people are wonderful. And it reminds me of home, that like friendly, wave at everybody vibe and i'm never gonna leave <laughs> wow well thank you for that it's been seven years correct me if i'm wrong yep it's been seven nice the obvious question the first question is why or or well yeah tell us why you uh, decided to become a lawyer Oh, why I decided to become a lawyer? Well, because I didn't want to take the MCAT. I took the LSAT instead. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, there's truth to that. Uh, so I did competitive speech and debate like super nerd in high school, and then I continued it through college. So uh, like you have All-Americans in sports, you can have All-Americans in speech. Yeah, super nerd. So I did that, and then kind of towards the end of that, I was like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I'm good at this arguing thing. I'm good at this debating thing. So I decided to take the LSAT and go to law school. And I actually had two bites at the apple in law school. Talk to us about that, yeah. if you don't mind. Yeah, we're, we're getting into the deep stuff right of now, course. right? All right, all right. So I went straight to George Washington University on a full ride, and I was not mature enough to handle it. What do you mean by that? Well, I'm a small-town girl from like rural-ish Kansas, okay? So I graduated with 50 other people, like tiny, 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 tiny school. And it was seventh through 12th grade. And so I didn't have the life experience. I went to college in the same town, essentially like 20 minutes away, Kansas State. So again, small town, was not ready to go it on my own in Washington, D.C., and so you're living out there. You don't know a lot of people. you got to use public transportation for an hour a day to get back and forth. You're thrown into this environment where everybody's personality is like yours. They're all go-getters and they're all type A's and they're all super intense and it's highly competitive and you're like used to being top dog. And then you get thrown into that environment and you're like, Oh, no. Is it okay to cuss? Can I oh, for sure. Okay, yes. so, Go oh, ahead. shit. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And so that shock to me, that was tough. Made it through my first semester. Uh, went and did an internship at a big firm in Minneapolis. Hated it. Thought that was corporate law, was the only lawyer life. I was so naive. Did one more semester and then was like, yeah, no. This, this lawyer thing's not for me. So I so dropped out. So then you went back home. 
I did not go back home. Oh, okay. I stayed in DC nice. uh, and started a my undergrad's kinesiology, which is like exercise science. So I started like a personal training business. So the desire to be an entrepreneur was there. It was there my entire life. So do you mind sharing mm-hmm. why or how did that start? Because I definitely we're not talk about this, but I want to get into how it all started. Is it your parents that you saw that as? Uh, okay, tell I'm us a, a bit first more. gen graduate. So, yeah, no, my mom was a secretary for a while till she had me, uh, and then she's been a stay-at-home mom forever. And then uh, my dad was an executive at a steel company, but he never graduated college. So both high school graduates, he had some college. Uh, I don't like rules. I don't like bosses. Um, But I think I just like creating things and creation and innovation and and the whole why not factor. So when everybody asks me like, well, what did you want to be when you grew up? And I'm like, which day? <laughs> That's so Right? Cool. Because it's, wow. and people have called me like a chameleon and like this, and really it is that I think that I've developed the skills to be successful in a lot of different places, right? And um, I just have so many interests that entrepreneurship is like the thing because you can do, you know, you want to learn finances one day, you have to. You want to learn interpersonal communication another day, you have to. You've got to know management. You've got to do all of these things. And those can apply to so many different areas so you're not stuck. And so the concept of being like stuck in a job or a career forever is so terrifying to me. It's terrifying. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it's a mindset thing. Okay. Now let me ask you this, and this is something that I asked nine out of ten guests. Mm-hmm. As far as that confidence, because that's something I can tell that you're very confident, right? You don't know what you're gonna do, but you know you're gonna do something, mm-hmm. and you're gonna do well for the most part. Right now, definitely, we'll talk about all the businesses that you open with the same goal. But tell me, this confidence, looking back, if possible, where's this confidence coming from? How you were able to develop this confidence? Oh, wow, that's a tough one. So through the speech, um, which I would highly recommend to any parent, like get your kid in front of a crowd. So I would be in front of small rooms of six or huge auditoriums of 150 or 200, right? And it just like, you get used to that. And so that develops a sense of confidence. Um, I, I have a lot of, you know, I mean, we all have confidence issues, but I'm confident in my ability to learn new stuff. So given enough time to become, I call it a mini expert, right? So like in my my videos, I don't know what I'm going to talk about that day, but I'm confident in my ability to research that and become a mini expert and then communicate it. So it all goes back to the confidence building communication skills I learned in competitive nerding is what I'm going to call it. Well, definitely we're going to come back to it because I do want to see if we can give some advice, some tangible items to other people, especially women. And I'm telling you all this because I I have a daughter. I don't know if I share this with you or not, but that's kind of something that I'm trying to to invite female guests so that she can also see. Like, of course, she, she I'm sure she's tired of hearing my my speech and the things that I <laughs> I say, but when she talk, well, she, like for example, that you said that you are a nerd. My daughter reads over a hundred years, a uh, hundred books a year. That's amazing. So you you can just tell I'm like, oh, she's gonna love this right here. Mm-hmm. Well, but I want also people like watching not only to hear the story, but if they can walk away with, you know, what, let me try this. So let me do this different. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that helps them out. So definitely we come back. But let's go back to the the time that you dropped out and then mm-hmm. you decided to go. But uh, now uh, in what was the personal training? Yeah, was that I was a basically personal a, trainer. Okay. Yeah, I was a personal trainer and it like got me in a lot of trouble, to be honest. I think that that's when. So um, I'm going to throw it out there now. Go I'm a 
early, very early in sobriety, I'm a recovering alcoholic, okay? And so, like, I partied a lot in college, but then when I was on my own in D.C., not having the structure of school, not knowing a lot of people, like, I got in a lot of trouble. Like, not criminal trouble, not, you know, terrible, terrible trouble, but, like, consistently. And then, so I had that experience. It didn't go super well. Uh, ended up moving from D.C. to Dallas for a stupid boy, right? <laughs> and it's always it's always for a stupid boy. Uh, don't do that. Tell your daughter not to do that. That is a no-no. Um, but then in Dallas, I kept taking these, like, aptitude tests, and I was working at a law firm during the day as a legal assistant. And I kept taking these aptitude tests, like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? What am I going to do with the rest of my life? And it kept coming back, attorney, 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 attorney. So I got into night law school. So for all of you that want to have maybe a second career or, um, you know, you don't know, you don't want that competition or can't afford to do day school, like night school is legit. I love night school because it's all people on their second careers or, you know, they have kiddos and can't find a sitter during the day and they're not as intense and they have this life experience that younger Alex in D.C. didn't have. And so you're not only learning about the law or whatever type of program it is, you're learning from these people's experiences as, you know, whatever. And and that was really cool. It was a nice sense of community. So back in night law school, working full-time during the day, and then I finished that way. Okay. How long was your break for? About a year, a little over a year. Was there any doubts of coming back? Did you maybe plan to do something else? Or you always knew that you were coming back to it? I didn't know I was coming back. Uh, there was this deep sense of failure, right? Like I'm not even, when I was younger, I wasn't even a student that really like failed a test, right? And it was just this deep, like, like what did I get myself into? I was so disappointed and I thought that everyone around me was disappointed as well. I know my parents were. Because it's not that, here's your trajectory, right? Well, that's not real life. This this is your trajectory. But you could have told me that a hundred times and I wasn't going to believe you until it happened. And so so those were the kind of feelings I thought I was a total disappointment and, you know, everybody was going to hate me and that I was not going anywhere in life. But maybe if I just got this degree, then there would be some, like, finality to it, like a check in the box. Right? And that's the worst thing you can do in life. Don't check boxes. Like if I have one piece of advice, don't check boxes. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to get into this yeah. for sure. Because <laughs> my take on this is make sure you check a lot of boxes. Nah. Really small boxes though. <laughs> like today I woke up at 5 in the morning. That's a box. That's a win for me. So we'll, we'll get into yeah, it. If you sure. like your gold stars, fine. Check your, okay. check your proverbial boxes. But don't check boxes because you you think that that's what you need to do oh, right okay, or that so somebody else right I, I just because what I see in other young women and men and and people in general is in their fury to like check these boxes they get into situations that maybe don't fit for them or they haven't spent that time reflecting and figuring things out they're just doing it for some external reason Oh, mm -hmm. that's so interesting because now we're talking about our surroundings. Because in my case, mm -hmm. the people that maybe I interacted uh, or interact with the most, I want them to put something on that box because <laughs> they're not even there. You know what I mean? In your case, it's like, yeah, you're doing everything, but not because maybe you want to or really passionate about that. 
Very interesting. But but I did the whole like check boxes, check boxes, and I'm still working on like, am I do, am I making this decision because Alex wants to make this decision, or I'm I'm making this decision for all the external reasons? And if it is the latter, right, an external reason, is that reason enough, right? Is it for my family? Is it for my financial well being? Is it because this is going to set me up for another project? Like, you know, that kind of thing. Because I've gotten into some situations that have not been true to form. Like, if I thought about it, I wouldn't have made that decision. Wow, okay. Yeah. Wow, very interesting. Now, let's go back to SMU. How long did it take you to graduate finally uh, from law school? So, I was at GW for a year and a half and then at SMU for two and a half, almost three. But it was continuous. So, normal law students get summer breaks. I went, you know, the whole time. Just to catch up a little bit, right? Yeah, and, and you can take fewer hours if you're only going at night. Okay, so mm-hmm. you graduated. I think you had an assignment in El Paso. Mm-hmm. That's your first time here. Mm-hmm. Tell me, even though you covered a little bit, but what actually made you fall in love with El Paso? Because I can also go to Cancun and love it, <laughs> but it's one thing for me to live there and, and actually see my life there, right? Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit more why you chose to stay here in our city. Okay, so I had a project. I was working at a clinic uh, for a clinic um, at the university, and it's like experiential learning. Had a project out here. Came out here um, because I was like, all my companions, my colleagues, didn't want to do anything. I was like, let's go meet this client in El Paso. Why not? And so my project partner and I came out, flew out here, and met him, and then flew back, and and all that good stuff. Because I was like, why not? If they're gonna fly us out there. Uh, and then I met some cool people here, uh, specifically some lawyers and someone who was at the public defender's office. And so I was in a very serious relationship. I was actually engaged in Dallas. And I was, to be honest, I was looking for an escape. And so... Can you tell us why? Yeah. That, that, like trapped. I just felt trapped. It was very vanilla, right? It was a, it was a box check-in. Right, it was box checking. It was, you know, he's a good dude, got a good job, like nice guy, whatever, but just not, not my guy, not the right guy. And so, um, I had applied for two positions. One as a prosecutor in Collin County near Dallas, right, and then the other was a defense attorney here. And I've always been like rule breaker for the people kind of thing. So being a prosecutor was like, eh. but so I chose this job. I ran away. Uh, and then I got here, and it it was just awesome. Everything was awesome. At first, did you maybe have a plan to just stay a couple of years and then go somewhere else? Or since the beginning, you're like, you know what, uh, I'm going to die here. Okay, so I call these future Alex problems. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right? So um, I love doing, like, the vision boarding and the, like, someday I want these 17 businesses, you know, like that type of creative stuff. But... I don't like doing the where will I physically be in two, three, five, ten years, right? So so those were future, at that time, those were future Alex problems. Uh, and once I got here, I just, I just loved every second of it. But I didn't think one way or the other. Like, was this temporary? Was this two years? Was this permanent? I don't know. Nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that. Um, actually, my last question that I asked my guest, that one's going to be really simple for you to answer, but... Well, okay. we'll come back to that for sure. Let's talk a little bit about you being a lawyer, uh, a lawyer, right? What are some misconceptions that people have about lawyers? That it's fun. <laughs> it's not fun. Okay, so that's You what... seem like you're having a lot of fun, by the way. I do have a lot of fun, <laughs> but I do a lot of things that lawyers don't do. Okay. okay. 
So um, I tow the very line. Like I'm on, I'm on the phone with like the the state bar ethics lawyer all the time. Like, hey, can I do this? Hey, can I like send this letter? Hey, can I, you know, because. Lawyers have this very strict set of rules, and one of the guys, uh, what uh, a male lawyer in our community is like, hey, stop giving away all our secrets. Really? Yeah, because I I give education, I give information. We're right? gonna put his name on the comments. No, by the way. no, we're not. <laughs> um, and and I think he was partly joking in a like, hey, you're doing a good job kind of manner, but that like really was like Ugh, to me, because lawyers don't have like a moratorium on, on information, right? Like what I want my client to be able to do or anybody in the public to be able to do is take the information they know and with the information and the resources that they have, make a good decision for them. I can't make a decision for them as a lawyer. I never can. And that's that's a misconception, I guess, to answer your question is like we don't make the decisions. We provide you information and if you want to go toe-to-toe with somebody, then – we're going to advocate on your behalf, right? Or we're going to create a contract or whatever type of lawyer it is. But we don't make those decisions. We just advise. And then with that information, if you go do something stupid, you're on your own, honey. Right? You're on your own. Uh, the other thing is, is let's see, other misconceptions. We're not all liars. <laughs> and we're no, we don't deceive everybody. Uh, some of the – and like I said, I, I – I'm very familiar with like the ethical rules and things because I I do, you know, social media stuff. I do advertising. I have an app. I do those things that a lot of lawyers don't do. Um, but the ethical rules that we have are so strict because lawyers were assholes for years and years and years, right? And have done crappy things to people. And so we're not all assholes is really <laughs> a misconception, right? Yes. We're not. Yeah, and it's not all about – it's not all about the money and information is free. So like if a lawyer is going to be a jerk and and not give you the information that, you know, just like information that you can search on Google, right? We that's not our skill. Our skill is advocacy. Our skill is analysis. Our skill is much deeper than just providing you information about what the law is. At least that's what I believe. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. Let me ask you a question that came mm-hmm. in yesterday. Yesterday, I, I asked the question as far as, you know what, uh, I'm going to have Alexander Sierra here. Any um, any questions I realized, Ms. Sarah? And this was a really good one. Okay. Are female lawyers perceived different from male lawyers? Oh, hell yes. Talk to us a little bit about that. <laughs> well, how much time do we have? Uh, <laughs> I think we're not taking it seriously, for sure. Um, we're not taking as seriously, I think, by judges, by other lawyers. I, I, I just think, like, a man can make the same argument and then be like, oh, that's genius. And a female can make that argument. And maybe because we don't – we aren't as assertive or as confident or whatever. We don't want to be a bitch or whatever. Then it's just like, oh, that was cute, you know. And it's the same argument. It's the same thing. So I think that there's a little bit of that. Um, I do, on the other end, typically politically, f- women do better in political races, like for judge or whatnot. Um, and and I don't know why that is psychologically, but statistically, the women do better when they're running for, for office. But um, so that, uh, I think it's also harder for us to um, balance our mental health and our 
our job because as nurturers we really do get invested into our clients like when I (laughs) part of the reason I've stepped back a little bit from the very serious cases is because when you lose you lose hard and I have a client who I still think is absolutely innocent serving a life sentence uh, and and I lived and breathed that client. I was actually in the public defender's office. The public defender had this client, uh, and then I, you know, I went out into private practice after that. And then the public defender ended up getting rid of the client, and the judge appointed me. And so I've known, you know, I was working on that case for better part of four and a half years. Wow. And and he's sitting in a prison in Huntsville for life. And I was so devastated. There's nothing in my life that made me feel more worthless and more upset than seeing him react to the guilty verdict and the that sentence. And, and we learn to, you know, some of our clients have done bad things. Right, some of our clients have done bad things, and some of them haven't, and that's the worst, is because we get attached. You know, just like I wouldn't say it's the same. I've never been a teacher, but like teachers get attached to their kiddos, or you know, nurses and doctors get attached to their patients, and you feel, I think, more so as a woman, those emotions as they're going through trial, as they're going through the case, if they're stuck in jail. And again, disclaimer, people do bad stuff. Like, I'm not talking about everyone. But the ones that we truly believe are innocent, if we don't get the right result for whatever reason, it's it's devastating. Wow. And you talked about this on a, pa- on a podcast, and I'm like, I need to bring this up for sure, because mm-hmm. you said that we would be surprised the number of people that plead guilty, mm-hmm. and they're not. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a second, because I mean, obviously, we only, from a outside perspective, maybe the movies, and we only have those mm-hmm. things. But when you said it like that, and and, and I don't know if you shared also uh, one of your cases. I don't know. I don't remember the context. But I'm like, oh my God, that that is true. And I think you gave an example there. Do you mind giving an example of sure. when would it be? Um, I don't know if a, a good option or when is it that sometimes that happens. Sure. Um, so. Let's see. The biggest people who are who are not guilty pleading guilty for a variety of reasons. The biggest thing is mitigating risk. So if you have the option, there's usually right option plea or go to trial. Those are the options, okay? And if at trial there's a significant percentage chance that you're going to you know, be found guilty and it's worse than if you plea, then some people don't want to risk it. Like um, in cases, I can't give you an exact example per se, but let's say, you know, at trial, the person's facing two to 10 years in prison, right? And then they offer deferred probation. Deferred probation is no conviction, right? Maybe they like a drug charge, okay? Third degree drug charge dropped to some lower charge deferred probation. You're not going to be a convicted felon. You're not going to risk going through trial and getting that conviction. You're not going to risk the time. You're not going to risk going to prison. Because once you put it in the hand of a judge or jury, all bets are off. They could acquit you. They could convict you. They could convict you and send you to prison. They could convict you and put you on probation, right? It's too many, like, too many variables. So sometimes clients will want to do that because 
I can't risk going to prison because I got a family to support, right? I can't lose my job. I can't be away from my kids. You know, I have new babies. Um, this isn't going to affect my my license to be whatever or something like that, okay? So those, that's just one example when they would, but most of the time it's like, or like I did something wrong, but not what they charged me with, right? That's That's the other example. So let's say there was an aggravated assault, okay? And that's an assault with like either serious injury or a weapon. And they're like, well, yeah, I beat the heck out of him, but I didn't, I didn't use a bat, right? And so like getting that charge dropped down to something more reasonable, you know, that's a situation where, where people plead guilty as well. Okay, gracias. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Let's go back a little bit to the, the case we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Through your years of practice, how have you been able to manage like those emotions, like the, the, the case that you, um, obviously you still talk about it. It's very emotional. I'm sure you remember that. I'm not going to say it on a daily basis, but it's constant in your mind. How have you able to, through the years, kind of like, I'm not going to say forget about it, but being able to oh, manage it. Oh, I'm terrible that. at it. No, I can't manage it. Booze? Booze, <laughs> right? No, for real, for real. Uh, uh-huh. So booze does a bunch of things. It numbs, right, all the negative stuff, right? Like, But it also numbs all the really good stuff. It doesn't discriminate as to what feelings you're going to numb. Uh, so... I'm terrible. I'm terrible at managing those emotions because I get so damn invested. Like, I'm bad. I'm just bad at it. Uh, It's not one of my skills. Uh, But I've been able to consistently represent people. Um, But I noticed towards the end of that that, like, the serious cases were so draining that it's like, if I keep this up, I'm not going to be able to take care of myself. And if I can't take care of myself, then I'm not going to be on my game for my client. And at the end of the day, it's their life in my hand. It is not my life. I get to walk, I get to get in the elevator, right? I get to get in the elevator and leave that courthouse. And if someone goes to jail, they can't. And so that's that's the important thing. Wow. Has there been a moment um, that you wanted to now after you started practice of just quitting everything? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Just runner. Yesterday. Yeah, right. Um, two hours ago. No, <laughs> I love what I do now because it's more in the entrepreneurial sphere than than the defense attorney sphere. Uh, but yeah, I'm a runner. So typically what I do is I go somewhere and I like make a mess of things or, you know, whatever. And then I pick up and I move. And I've been able to not do that here. And I've been able to really, what I think is establish myself and learn. And I'm just learning and growing every single day. Uh, and so, yeah, but sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna bail. But <laughs> I don't. What makes you not do that, not bail? What makes you kind of like keep on going? Well, I have an awesome partner now, so that's one thing. Uh, but I have a staff of young, awesome women. I have nine assistants all female yes so yeah that's gonna be one of my questions by the way (laughs) yeah so my little female power team them uh because i can't let them down and i think that my greatest fear in the world in life is not living to my full potential and i don't know what that is but i know it's more than i'm doing now and so running is just a freaking lame excuse and it would you know it would just throw a monkey wrench and all that so that's what I think about like I heard recently if you want high self-esteem you've got to do esteemable things Mm. and is running an esteemable thing is leaving these people high and dry hell no it's not so you fight and you go through it 
Well, very powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Just to close that topic on male versus uh, uh, men versus uh, women perception on lawyers, mm -hmm. I'll just tell you that 10 years ago, and really quick, I had uh, to hire um, law, uh, uh, law attorney, right? Mm -hmm. And I went for the female because in our, I don't know if it's a Hispanic culture, by the way, but usually like the, the female a person's gonna it will be get, uh, use that emotion mm -hmm. on uh, on our side right basically like to especially because it was family law mm -hmm. and it, it it turned out great for me but at the same time i was like you know what i'd rather get a, a, a female than a man for this specific thing specific, so, like, yeah i oh think so i think so and i can just speak to personal experience i've really luckily never had to knock on wood uh hire a lawyer of my own i've always had colleagues that have helped with my personal stuff but uh I don't know. I don't know. I just feel that's what I feel. And some of that could just be projection or it could be systemic like sexism. We could we could go it, on and on. But I, but I, women it, attorneys are badass. So we, we can. <laughs> First of all, the percentage of women versus men. That's mm -hmm. that's something also mm -hmm. kind of like the the take uh, the the pay uh, take home pay as well mm -hmm. makes a difference. As I was doing my research, I was like, oh, there's some differences here. But mm -hmm. maybe we can we can have another podcast on that alone. <laughs> on that alone, right? <laughs> all right, let's transition a little bit now to your business on the traffic tickets. Okay, tell me how it evolved into criminal defense to now. Well, I don't, how long has that uh, business been open? And tell me how you um, evolved to that business. Sure. So it's been uh, active since October of 2018. Okay. So um, two and a half years. Uh, and so I always think that it's real dumb to trade time for money. I think it's just not it's not business savvy. So I'm like, what is a way to take the billable hour, right? Take the attorney like everybody pays in the billable hour, right? And turn that into some sort of leverage income. And so I'd been tossing around the idea of, of developing a platform and an app for, for traffic ticket representation for a while. And then I sat down, mapped it out, and was like, this is the moment. Let's do it. And so I got some, like, crappy company to do, like, a beta version of the app. And then I have, like, a home design website. And, like, it was, it was crappy, but I was able to beta test it and be like, okay, this is viable. This is viable. And, you know, we went from 18 clients a month, I think, in October of 2018. And now I have 400 plus a month clients. That's amazing, by the yeah, way. Yeah. And, and we went through COVID. So from 2019 to 2020, we doubled our revenue. From 2020 to 2021, we've doubled it again. Wow. And so COVID, I share this story. I shared it at the women's conference the other day because it, it is just like the epitome of what a team is so i think it was march last year march or april last year when things were starting to shut down and um, i had just hired three new employees and then i had three already so we were a team of seven at that time and i was like holy shit how am i gonna pay all these girls how am I going to pay all these girls like are we gonna have to do layoffs and you know and and very anxiety ridden and so I was like no we're a team so I said okay girls this is the amount of money we have to make by April 10th if you do it as a team nobody loses their job and they did it and they consistently did it 
over and over and over again because they loved each other. They loved the concept. They loved our clients. And we were able to, to grow during a time of struggle. When everyone else is contracting, we were able to grow because we were so connected and so concerned about ourselves and our community. You know, so I... It was really cool to watch because I could have been easily like, okay, these three contractors get fired and then, you know, we're going to cut these people's hours and then we're going to do this and this. I didn't take a salary during that time, but I don't care. I don't care because they they came together and they made it happen and that was the power of, mm-hmm. of the message and the mission. So that and was that really must cool. feel great because now you know they're working, like you're part of a team, of course, mm-hmm. but it, they don't see it only as an eight to five, right? They see it as a family, as a community. I can mm-hmm. tell based on your post that it, it is a team, it's not my employees, or they, it, it is your team. Mm-hmm. That makes a difference. Sometimes I grab when I see people like referring to people, I never, I try my best never to refer employee you know what this is my team and that's mm-hmm. it you know because it makes a difference because even though the way you say things that's the way you think about things and you can tell that the way you're describing that story i mean you can tell me that the reason why they did that it was not only for them but it was for you and and yeah. that makes the world and different. and some of these they knew some of these girls for a month and they were still just so like i don't know i love my girls i love my girls and we just hired three more and they are all wonderful and it's the same mentality we're blowing our revenue goals out of the water we're helping so many clients i'm taking them to we're doing a half day on friday um because i'm taking them to the movies because we've already blown past our march goal wow and it's the 23rd like these wow. these girls are just incredible and i have one more ticket yeah. coming by the way i got one last <laughs> week and i knew <laughs> i was coming out like give me a second i should just wait now let's talk about you discriminating men here oh <laughs> when it comes to you have nine women please. okay definitely that question <laughs> has to come Uh All right. Well, first of all, I'm a business under 15 employees. So if you read the law, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Here's the deal is I don't know why, uh, but I don't know if I'm scary. Am I scary? Uh, Men don't apply. I posted. Yeah. When I posted on I posted on Instagram about that we were hiring. um, We we had maybe like less than a handful of men uh, apply and they were woefully underqualified. But that's good. I mean, that's. You know, we interviewed everybody. We do three levels of interviews, which I would highly encourage if you are a business owner. It takes a lot of time, but it helps. So I had my two managers do a round of interviews, then um, weed it down, and then myself and my business coach, also get a business coach, uh, did a, a round of interviews. And then once it got past me, we had the rest of my team take them out to lunch. So we could see how they interacted in three different environments. One, when the direct supervisor was there. One, when the boss lady was there. And then when they're, you know, the people that were on their same level. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure if you answered my question, though. Well, because it's their, is their resumes were woefully <laughs> All nine of them. <laughs> I, just, I, I really love that idea, by the way, because from, at least from past experience, friendships, and mm-hmm. people that I know, females they're like i hate working with other women i'm like but why oh it's because it's so hard and when i see you like wait wait a second that's just an excuse for maybe your personality you're not able to cope with other people Mm -hmm. whatever that is and when i see that like oh that's so cool actually yeah so if you're a man and you think you can hack it send me your resume but haven't haven't found one yet actually i'm gonna send you mine because the way you're describing the business i'm like "Mm, interesting (laughs) on point traffic tickets here we go hey okay 
so hey, someday we're going to be a national brand. So that wait, is. Wait a second. It's really mm -hmm. important for people to know uh, that it was before traffic tickets. And correct me on the name, uh, 915. Mm -hmm. However, now you transition to service other uh, cities in the state. Correct. So now it's traffic tickets, Texas, right? Mm -hmm. Or something like that. I'm like, oh, wait a second. I'm sure it's coming again traffic America traffic ticket or something like that so when you say this I'm like oh my god that's so traffic amazing is the best. Yeah. I hate I hate that name I said no uh, <laughs> but yeah so I'm licensed only in Texas so if I'm the attorney it can only be in Texas uh, but we've thought about expanding to, to other states so all that stuff is in the works um, you know long-term business plan but yeah we had to test it like we had to do our customer discovery my business coach hammers home customer discovery customer discovery and we had to do it here and then we're starting to branch out into other locations that's so great not only the business side but that just tells me what type of person you are that it's not okay if you're doing okay you know let's see what else we can do as well right uh, yeah. now the con can be and you tell me if if um, i'm on the right line or not that maybe you're never satisfied with something. It no. can be live at 100%, but you're still, no, I want a 101. Is that the case? Oh, for sure. Yeah, oh, you really? nailed it. Yeah, and that's stressful because you're like, well, can I be doing more? If I'm doing more, like, what what am I sacrificing, right? Because you there are only so many hours in a day. And um, so, you know, you can add more people, which means you can do more, right? Or you can perfect processes, which you can do things more efficient. You can make your product better. But again, there's only so much one person can do. So, uh, yeah, I've had to check myself a lot and be like it's okay right I had this conversation with with a friend of mine and and she was like is the pursuit of happiness does that imply that you're never going to catch it it's it's a chase right it's always going to be a chase and you're never going to get it and so I, I typed up you know I wanted to be smart ass and so I like type in like what's the definition of pursuit and the other definition of what a pursuit is is an activity Okay, so I was like, well, why don't we flip it? Why don't we say these are our happiness pursuits? So anything at any time, any activity that makes us happy, like that's our happiness pursuit. And so that means you can set it aside for a while. You don't have to be going 100% at all the time. You don't have to be chasing something that you never know if you're going to get. Because like how do we define happiness and stuff like that? So so I've been sort of putting, thinking through those concepts with regard to work and like it's okay to be okay for a day or a week or take a vacation or whatever because that doesn't mean I'm going to get into this like I don't know cauldron of complacency and that I'm going to be in there forever like that's just not my personality so chill have faith in yourself like take a break but it is constantly on my mind like well you know I've got this then I got this and what if I start this and you know so for sure. And I am a creative at heart. And so, and I'm very like, I think it's probably like your daughter from reading so many books. You've got this wild imagination. And so when I plan things, I literally visualize them. But then you do them, which makes the difference between <laughs> people like you and other people because everyone plans stuff or has goals. That's the reason why I want to like get into those tangible things because you do realize that everyone has, they won't have plans, goals, dreams, mm -hmm. but very few people like, I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to do this until it works, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm going to try to my best I get some of those tangible either advice or something that you can share with us. But going right away back to what you were saying before I forget, how happy are you? Depends on the day. Really? <laughs> but overall, like if, if 
Yeah, how so excited? I get frustrated. I'm excited. I love <laughs> that you used that word. You were saying like how I'm excited. I'm excited most days to get up. I'm excited to to do things that have to do with business, that have to do with educating people. Have to like I'm excited about that stuff. So that makes me happy. Um, I don't, as a personal belief, believe that happiness is like a state of being. I don't believe that. Right. I think that you're never going to be consistently happy. Like that doesn't exist, right? Like do things that make you happy. Be with people that make you happy in the moment. But if you think that you're going to get to some like aha moment where you're happy all the time, like that's bullshit. That's bullshit. So when people ask like, am I happy? It's like, yeah, absolutely. I have these awesome pockets of happiness and excitement and whatever, but there's also life and life is frustrating and life is sad sometimes and life is shitty and you have obstacles but that doesn't mean I'm not happy now let me ask you because this is where I define happiness a little bit different because you're right Mm -hmm. I mean life happens and of course I'm not gonna smile 24 7 that's for sure Mm -hmm. but my bad moments or the moments that really suck Mm -hmm. they don't never outshine my good ones Mm -hmm. and because of that as a whole I'm happy Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to get as a whole. If if you were, and I'm sorry to take it off the dark side now. Okay. If you were to die tomorrow, you would be like, you know what? I lived a happy life. Totally, well, totally. But it's not like to me. It's not like a balancing act. It's not like the scales of justice. You know. Okay. Alex's happy scales of justice. It's it's not like that. You seem like a very happy person. You have so many. You things call me going on a good day. <laughs> <laughs> no, on your every social media post as well, and and I see like you definitely enjoy what you do you know mm-hmm. but now that we got into this i'm like i wonder if she's such a go-getter that there's always something and she's not again in, in my mind as you're talking like is she like realizing that you know what even though i'm pursuing everything else mm-hmm. but i'm happy or you're maybe waiting for that destination to label that moment as happy mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah no i think i think it's both i think that like if i really think about it if i and i've started meditating uh, and so if I really think about it, like, my life is awesome, right? Like, if I if I really take the moment to think about it, yes. The problem that you've identified, which is totally on point, is that I don't take that moment sometimes, and I'm just like, on to the next thing, then I have to be here, then I have to do this. And so then you get lost in it, and then when you stop, you're like, oh, yeah, this is great, right? Nice. But but you've got to have some level of wisdom that I don't think I'm there yet is you've got to eliminate as many of the unhappy, shitty, bad yeah. things out of your life, right? Stuff. I just went through this minimalist challenge and that was like totally, totally therapeutic. Yeah. We're going to talk about that and also your trip to South Asia, which I have the right person for okay, you, please, by the way. Please, 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 please. Um, you have to watch that. How's your Spanish? Because that episode Terrible. will record. Okay, never mind. But this is a person <laughs> that lives in... Um, in Bali right now he's traveling oh. the world on a motorcycle and he's so cool you have to follow him and then if you really want recommendations really get into that you have to contact Absolutely. him yes 100% alright well so I'm enjoying my convers- the conversation so far so thank you so much for the things that you have enjoyed but I have a lot more so okay. hopefully you well, have well let's go but I love it I love it alright so let's talk about you actually don't have two businesses there's Three. Yes. Right? Yeah. So how can you, how are you? There's, a, I mean, technically there's four if I break up stuff, but go ahead. Okay, let, let, let's call it three, right? Let's so call it three. The, so that way on my clip that I'm going to post, I like handle, handling three businesses. And okay. That, okay. All right. So based on that, how are you able to effectively balance your time? Because you have that going on and then your personal life. Well, before or now? <laughs> how are you trying? Of course, there's no uh, perfect, I'm sure there's still, you're still juggling a lot of things, but how are you uh, attempting or trying to? 
get everything um, effectively done. Okay. Well, so people are the biggest thing, having people that you can trust to run it and then uh, letting go of control. Um, the 80-20 rule, right? If somebody can do it as 80, 80% as good as you, delegate it for sure, right? Uh, so I am a control freak, as you could probably guess. I'm a lawyer, right? We're not assholes. We're control freaks. Um, but so I at first had a hard time delegating. And now um, I, I just, you know, unless it's like highest, best use of my time, I don't even consider it. It will get done. It will get done fine. Like there's no reason to be the roadblock in the process. So that's one. This year I'm focusing, I'm doing things in quarters. So my first three months of this year is very hyper-focused on developing market share for traffic tickets in El Paso, right? And then my second quarter of 2021 is going to be something different in my third quarter. And it's just that intense focus because what I was finding was I was having so many things up in the air that I wasn't effectively doing anything. Right. So I would be like, oh, holy shit, I have to go, you know, do this. You know, I have to do a delivery for the dog breakery and then I have to like go to court and then I have to, you know, review this marketing plan. And that would be my day. Uh, scheduling time. And then have you heard of the vault concept? Mm, talk to me about it. OK. Um, Kurt Steinhorst writes this book, Can I Have Your Attention? And I'm going to do a book club on it um, in May. But it's basically the concept of having a personal vault. And it's like you go in there and you are unreachable. Like you tell your family, do not call me, do not knock on this door. Whether it's like your patio or your office or a coffee shop or whatever. And you go there and you do focused work. And so scheduling that, like this two hours, I'm going to be in my vault. Nobody can talk to me. No text messages, nothing. I'm going to work on whatever, right? And then... On Tuesday, I'm going to spend this hour in my vault banging out a marketing plan for the next three months. And so, like, it takes so much time to, if you get distracted from something, get back on point that you're just wasting your day. Yeah. You're just wasting your day. So utilization of the vault, focused attention per quarter, and then having the right team members, I think, are, are the well, biggest thing. Very complete. Thank you. Does it, by any chance, talk about distractions? Because oh, like, yeah. all those are, I mean, things that on a book or somewhere else, mm -hmm. of course, set your time. But then what I struggle personally is like, okay, I'm going to work on this. But then five minutes in, guess what? I'm going to check my phone. And I'm going to do this. I'm yeah, like, you got oh, to put your phone. Yeah, God. there's apps that will shut down like your web browsers and you can set it for a certain time and it won't let, like it won't let you access the internet uh you can do that with your phone too i put my phone in a like i can't just put it in another room i have to put it in a drawer or a lockbox a lockbox yes okay. in another room because i do the same thing because i want to be i want to be on instagram i want to do this i want to you know i check that crap while driving it's terrible it's terrible but yeah, and I want to check my phone or I get antsy like I miss something, right? We're so used to having all that stimuli all the time, right? And that, and it chemically affects our brains. And so, yeah, you just, you got to put it away. So I put my phone in a lockbox or a drawer two offices away and then I go into another office and I sit there and I do my work. And, with, and eventually you're going to get in the flow and you're going to get in the zone and you're going to be so focused on what you're doing especially if you enjoy it 
you're going to be okay. But, and then if you're the type that like gold stars, a long time ago I used to do this like, okay, if I can do this for 50 minutes, <laughs> I get, you know, this little reward. Um, that works. You know, I mean, we're animals, works. of course. Yeah. So, so stuff like those are the kind of things that I do. I get nothing done at like the actual office. Because, I mean, so many people want to talk, want to do stuff, want to whatever. And I don't want to discourage that. So if I'm in a mood or if I need to, like, really get something done, I work from my kitchen table. Because then I can shut out all the technology. I can shut out that. But I don't want to discourage my team from coming in, having a conversation, sharing their day, like, you know, asking me a question, giving me an idea. So I don't want to be that asshole that's like, don't talk to me, and I slam my door. So I kind of have that physical separation between my vault and real life in the office. Okay, but because of that, after your office, at what time are you done with that's work? Funny. <laughs> that's funny. That's so funny. Why do you even ask that question? Because you know it's a good question. Don't don't ask questions that you know the answer to. <laughs> I don't know the answer. Uh, I'm never done. Um, let's see. I have been trying to to be done like at the office between four and five, but I'll always work in the evening. My power hour is like from 4.30 to 6.30, my power hours in the morning. Uh, in the morning? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I get up before five most days. And so those are like high productivity times. Every single person is different and you've just got to try it and figure it out. Um, but yeah, those are super high productivity times. And then my brain is always going, so I have trouble sleeping. And... So what I do is I read fiction before bed sometimes, but also I have a notepad right by my bed. So I'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh, you know, this great idea. And then the I will like not just be like, oh, this is a good idea. I will literally like map it out for the next five years of my life, right? And how big it can get and how all that stuff. And it'll take hours of my, my sleep. So I I know that if I get up, I open the book, I write it down, what that idea is, like jot a few notes down, then my mind can be at ease and I can go back to sleep. So that's how I, but I would never want, like I would never trade that, I would never trade that because my brain is constantly like creating new ideas. That's the best moment. Later on, I'm gonna show you my notes. Basically the same thing, I go to sleep and then at one in the morning that I can, oh my God, this is a good ad, right? Like, okay, Mm -hmm. well, let me put it as a note. And then I even type, you know what I started doing? I put the time. So then when I go back, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Even though maybe I wasn't able to sleep, but but I'm like, that's so cool that I like, I got that at two in the morning, that I got at three. Do you find that like there's certain times in the night? And I, yes, when I can't go to sleep, but I feel sleepy, that's when I come up with, according to me, of course, like mm-hmm. the best ideas ever. Like when I'm in, I don't, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure there's a, a proper name for that stage that I really want to go to sleep, but I just can't. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the best time for me to to get creative on that. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, thank that's you That's smart. Sharing. I'm going to start doing that. That's you really should. good. It, it, it helps me. Now, sometimes, I'm not going to lie, I have like two or three great ideas. But then I'm like, I don't want to go back to those because I know I'm going to start working on those. And then I'm going to leave everything else that I'm working on. Already. I'm not going to finish those projects. I, I'd rather just wait and then come back to, okay, what is it that I had going on for this post or mm-hmm. for this promotion or or for this guest or or like questions, for example. Even last night I was wondering, wait, wait, wait a second. Oh, Here's some okay. cool questions that, okay. that I hopefully get something right. So. All right, so I, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. So hopefully you are too. I love it. This is fantastic. Let's go into social media. You're big on Ooh. social media. Aside from everything that we not, just talked not about. Not big enough. Yeah, okay. Not big enough. 
<laughs> See, there I, got, there, there, I go. Go. there I go. Okay, but My life is great. From, I'm big on social media. It's fine. Okay, see? Everything <laughs> you have going on, you put a lot of content on social uh-huh, media. I a do. lot of valuable content, but that's time consuming. Oh, my God. For someone that maybe they, they don't produce content, they have no idea how long it takes. The prepping, maybe when you edit, just getting like the the, the schedule. It's and so I drop much an F bomb on a video and have to edit it out. You know, that stuff. <laughs> right. So talk to us. When and why did you decide it? to use social media as a platform to promote not only your business, because you, I mean, again, you are providing value, but you definitely are promoting your brand as well. Totally. So tell me when and why you decided to start this, because in again, in your field, maybe that's not what everyone does, right? right? So right. talk to me about that a little bit. So I had uh, a friend, Michelle, she owns Hippie Girl Natural Products, and um, I in the very beginning I had her help me with social media and she's like you need to do like a Facebook live every however long right like every Thursday and let people ask you questions and like do that and I was like bullshit like no we don't we don't do that as like how long ago are we talking about just to get an idea end of like early 2018 i think i think three years yeah yeah and i was like bullshit that's nah nah we are we're lawyers we don't need to do that you're like whatever and then she was so persistent and she was so like like this is this is a lot of value add and then so me being a scaredy cat i was like i'm not gonna do a live what if i say something dumb so then she was like okay well why why don't you just do like little videos like little clips with information or whatever and i was like okay i could handle that because i had control over it Mm -hmm. so my you know my early ones i'd probably record 30 times before i found something that i liked Uh, and then you get more comfortable with it and it gets better or it doesn't or the sound sucks or it doesn't like whatever you figure it out and you just keep doing it uh but yeah so she actually got me started with the lawyer talk thursdays and i've continued that but it takes so much time it takes so 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 much time um and and so that was some. That's something that, like, if y'all want, I know being an influencer is popular. You know, I was I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday about ladies who have their OnlyFans pages, and really like the life cycle of OnlyFans is really like three to six months where you're really relevant because most people don't want to put in the work to consistently create content that their subscribers want. Right? Very different platforms, but same content or same concept. A lot of work, I'm sure. It's a ton. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's a ton of of work. And I bring up OnlyFans because I just covered sex work on my my lawyer talks. But uh, yeah, it's a a ton of work, hours upon hours. And then I have have a social media assistant uh, that does a lot of design work. And then I have uh, one of my assistants that helps me film and does some research. And then we post the quizzes. And then we cut. And then we add the cap. You know. I mean, it probably takes you how many hours? It takes week? me a lot. Yeah. Just, just know that. And I'm yeah. sure that it also takes a lot for t- any clip that you do. And then you are, your team and yourself are very smart because it's not only, oh, we're going to talk about divorce. You, you, you have subjects that I can tell that. No, this is something catchy that's going to get someone's gotta attention. Got to be sexy. You have to. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're already putting yourself out there, mm-hmm. might as well take advantage of, okay, what are some of the topics that people will click on it? We'll, we'll notice. We'll do this. So did you deal with any insecurities at the beginning uh, as far sure. as, um, let's talk about the personal side of it because the uh, insecurities of, you know what, I don't like the way I look or maybe 
over here like oh i'm, I'm not uh my first language is not english so I'll, maybe i'm not uh, i mispronounce things i use the wrong words mm -hmm. that but also you have like the other aspect that you're dealing with with law stuff mm -hmm. right and i'm sure that maybe at first your peers were not looking at that like in a in a good way in an right. approval so i'm like thinking mm -hmm. you're dealing with two different things so tell me about the process there, please. Sure. So personally, that's, that can be ruthless. Like, the haters can be ruthless. I remember I was helping run a political campaign in 2017 into 2018, uh, and I had, like, really bad eyebrows, like, terrible eyebrows. I was, like, draw them in. They were terrible. White girl. I had, like, little teeny tiny, like, white girl eyebrows, and I would draw them in. It was terrible. But I posted this video on, on one of the political pages, and, like, all these ladies started, like, making fun of me. Like, really? just making fun of, like, you know, I don't even remember what they said. But it was just, like, I'm never posting a video again. Like, this is terrible. And so that was one of my fears when Michelle suggested. I'm like, mm -hmm, I don't know. Like, are they going to make fun of my eyebrows or my freckles? Especially or? in El Paso, coming from a white girl. Right. Right? I, I mean, I'm my sure there was Puerto something Rican, there. My dad's but most people don't know that. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, and, and there was some of that. And then um, you and I briefly talked about it uh, off camera, but – um, my the entire right side of my face is reconstructed. I got in a terrible accident uh, when I was 20. A boating accident crushed all the right side of my face, so that had to had to be reconstructed. Um, but I can see the differences, right? So if I stare at myself, I can see that I'm asymmetrical, and everybody's asymmetrical, but like more so. Uh, and so that was that was something too. But everybody's been really nice honestly, on social media. As far as my colleagues go, yeah, at first. But as I was getting traction, as I've gained, I, I don't know about popularity, but like I, I know my shit, right? I do. And so once people see that enough times, that credibility comes and they're like, okay, well, maybe she has something. And then I've seen some other attorneys, whether or not it's because of me or because they've just realized that social is a good platform, are doing things too and and that's good because ultimately it provides more info for people and and really attorneys like how i get my business is building that relationship and i get questions all the time about all kinds of different types of law and i can't answer those questions sometimes but i do have a network of other attorneys that i can like refer to so that's pretty cool yeah, and at the same time, being as smart as you are, you have to take advantage well, of, of what you do good, which is mm -hmm. you. your personality is very approachable, so you need to make sure you also put it out there as mm -hmm. well. You're pretty smart, of course, um, and, and maybe someone that is not as, uh, as approachable or maybe have difficulties getting that across, well, maybe you should be writing stuff. I mean, you should still be doing social media, of mm -hmm. course, but then that. Let me ask you something right away. Um, out of how many lawyers do we have here in El Paso? I'm sure you so know. So many. This. I don't know exact number. What is the percentage of people taking advantage uh, of social media aside from promoting it, uh, like the the usual ad, like ads, like the way you're doing it? Maybe not to your level, but maybe somehow like providing value to um, to uh, the community here. Out of lawyers. Um that's a great question. I'm not really super into the YouTube community or LinkedIn, so I don't know if people are posting like YouTube stuff or anything. Um, excuse me. Percentage, I'd say 5% or less. Yeah, I know like off the top of my head, I know about six that are taking advantage of it, like actually adding value. And 
and so like I guess the rule um, is you know you give value three or four times and then you can have an ask whatever that ask is like more salesy or, or advertisement but yeah I'd say less than five percent or doing it in a way consistently right? in a way that is like branding style yeah but but pe- more people are running ads which is still I mean it's still okay I tried Clubhouse. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you like it? I loved it. Did Clubhouse you? Clubhouse was awesome. What do you think? I have not tried. I've done my research. Try but it. then my research so far says that it is, like, um, cool for this moment, but it's not long-lasting. But yeah. then everything else, they said the same thing. So I'm like, okay, I will check it out, of course. I think they said the same thing about Snapchat, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't use Snapchat I don't anymore. Either. I used it at first, but then you see other platforms that have basically the same thing. So mm-hmm. why even bother there? And even the content, maybe five years ago, I was doing more based on that. Not that my content is great or very educational, don't get me so, wrong. So, but it's but, like, but why am I going to use this one if I have the other one? Right. Let me ask you, any advice that you have uh, for professionals, maybe that, um, again, um, they know they should put their self out there. They should be doing, again, maybe not having like a whole segment like Lawyer Talk Thursday, but that they want to, but then perhaps something's holding them back. Is there maybe something that helped you that can help them? Mm-hmm. So, d- like... Be authentic. Everybody's going to tell you that, right? Cheesy, whatever. Be authentic. But like if you're not a camera person, don't force yourself to be on camera. If you are better, like you want a picture sitting at your desk while you're doing work, have your assistant take it. Write small snippets of content that's educational if you're better at writing. Um, if you're an audio person, use that talent. You got a great voice, right? If you're if you're more into giving back through community events, have someone film you doing those things. But don't try to put yourself, you know, in a place that doesn't fit because you're going to struggle and you're going to make excuses. That's that's the biggest thing. In my strength is video. I like the video. I think it's fun. I I think that I'm at least decent at it, right? And people get value from that. So that's why I do the video. But not everybody's like that. So just find something that you're good at. Every single person has something they're good at. If it's an interview, then start recording interviews because you're not doing that like presentation style, I have to know five minutes of content to educate you, right? You're doing a question and answer thing with somebody and primarily the other person's talking. If that's what you're into, if you're good at interpersonal communications, film that, use that, those kind of things. How important is to build your your personal brand? like 90% of my life yeah (laughs) it's really important credibility trust is everything we are emotional creatures and so whatever right like it's it's the most important thing I think in my mind other than being like ethical and and good at what you do right that's that's like baseline once you have that and there are hundreds of professionals that have that that know their stuff right that are ethical, good attorneys are good people. It's just like once you do that, what sets you apart? What's your personal brand? The doors that open for you, the people that you meet, there's so many things. I don't know if I told you this. I graduated from YouTube advertising and marketing, Mm -hmm. and I found myself, hey, you're doing nothing to promote your brand. So guess what I'm doing here, right? But it's so important because, again, with maybe five years down the line, 20, 10, but now I know Alexander Sarah, maybe she's going to help me with my ticket. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Right? Or some advice. Again, this conversation that I'm having with, with the guests so far, like, oh, my God, the first three, four guests, I'm like, you know what? All of them that I'm going to do, regardless how good or bad they are, 
it already it's already paid for in in the sense that they were so good that I'm gonna remember those moments if I maybe have a difficult time or if I have a a moment that I want to stop I'm gonna go back to those moments and said oh my god that was so much worth it that I, I I'm gonna continue going just because the first episodes and imagine like as I continue going on for sure it's so important so I just wanted to ask you that because of course it's extremely important but in your case that uh, you have so many ventures going on mm. I mean that has continued helping you with Okay, now that, which we'll talk about the Doc Bakery, mm-hmm. well, by uh, the way. That's my, my side hustle. Because when I saw, like, wait a second, this yeah. is not making sense. But it is making sense in the personality. Like, hey, I want to open something on this. Oh, okay, well, well, let me do it. And I'm like, okay, that's mm-hmm. so cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, going back to um, to your personal life, how are you able to stay focused? I know you already talked a little bit about it. But again, so many things going on. How are you able not to lose interest in the dog bakery? In well, the, because in, I have so many things else? going on. How are you not able to um, lose focus? And Well, I don't know how to answer that question because sometimes I do and I give myself grace about it. Uh, I, I haven't always been like that. But I like having a lot of things going on because I can always pivot. Right. So I can I can work on this really intensely. And then it's like, well, I don't want to do anything with the law right now. So I'm going to go cook dog treats and we're good. Right. So um, I think my ultimate goal is to have all these businesses and then be able to step out and travel and do whatnot. But I take all the things I love and I started doing like an analysis of, okay, like what costs me money? Well, rent costs me money. Well, how do I offset or my mortgage, right? How do I offset that? Well, put an Airbnb in the back and that pays for the mortgage, right? So I used to have, when I travel, I have like a dog nanny, okay? So so like that cost me, or and I do doggy daycare, that cost me X amount of money a month. Well, that's a lot. Well, what if I just open a doggy daycare? So then I can like expense that and then provide services to someone else and then give somebody else a job. So it's like like those things. It's like what what can you do to offset your costs, create jobs, and just expand? I call it expanding my empire, but empire is kind of a jerk word. Uh, <laughs> but like that's the way I think is like someday I'm going to step out and I'm going to go travel and I'm going to do all these other things that I want to do. How do I create so many streams of income that if half of them failed, I'd still be able to go to Southeast Asia? Wow. Mm-hmm. How, I've got, this is an ongoing process, but with everything you have going on, how do you manage stress? Um, Stressful situations. I cry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, by I'm going better. to Asia, right? Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no. Uh, like, like running. No. Um, so, like I said, I think I told you that I'm early in sobriety. Before, I would freak out and like throw a little temper tantrum like a child and just like get really upset. Now I process things a lot better and I'm a lot calmer about it because 90% of things that happen like really don't matter in the long run. Like we get so freaking focused on like this little shitty thing and then we react right then and it becomes a bigger thing. And so trying not to do that. But there are a lot of roadblocks. Um, but to me, like now instead of just like sitting and stewing or like sitting and reacting, I brainstorm with my team. Like we had an an issue recently um, about a program I wanted to launch and then I talked to the ethics attorney and the ethics attorney was like, you can't do that, Alex. I'm like, damn it. Um, so then it's like, okay, well, we can't do this, but 
how do we fix it to achieve the same goal? And so I bring it, like I do brainstorming sessions with my team. Yeah, so that helps a lot to get around those frustrating situations. But it's not like, hey, what would you do or what should I do? It's like, let's sit down. How do we accomplish the same goal? It's much more like open-ended and it, we come up with way better ideas. And, and being able to ask for help as well, right? Oh, Not putting I ask that for help pressure all the time. that mm-hmm. I have to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Hey, let me put it out there. And I'm sure a lot of great ideas come from other people and you've been able to trust them and that helps as well, right? Yeah. I like what you said and, and that's so true because at the end of, of things, what helps me is, is thinking, is this really matter? Like, does this really matter? Is, am I, mm-hmm. when I have a difficult day at work, Am I going to get fired for this? And if the answer is no, then I'm going to be okay. Learn from it, of course. Make sure you don't make this mistake again, but then do it again. It's just hard when you're in that moment, kind of like don't letting that moment drag you down. Mm-hmm. So again, of course, it's a it's a work in progress, but um, thank you for, for sharing that. Yeah, and of it's course. the extreme thinking, right? You think like right then, it's like so like, I'm going to get fired for this and this is terrible. And if I get fired, then my kids can't eat. And then, you know, like in my case, my dogs can't eat. Uh, right, but like that's not the reality of the situation. It's just not in, in 90% of cases. How can we help someone with emotional intelligence? And, and and let me tell you why. You have this mentality. I have this mentality. Mm-hmm. And it just comes natural to us, right? But um, I don't know if I share this story already or not, but recently one of my friends, a female friend, she was asking, well, I was asking how she's been and all that. She said, you know what? It's been about two weeks, but I had some suicidal thoughts. Okay. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. let's go back. Mm-hmm. What, what happened? And, and basically it boiled down to, problems with money okay and i'm like in in my view there's no way regardless how much i owe or even if i lose my house like there's no way i'm even gonna think about that option Mm -hmm. but then because again because it comes natural to us but how can we help people that again because of of different circumstances of, of a lot of things that um, are going on or went down when they were kids, something else mm-hmm. that maybe don't have that mindset or that emotional intelligence. And that's kind of like my purpose a lot of times when I have these conversations that I get it. It's really simple for you, for me, that l- l- let's just talk about the way we do it. But what what I have found that a lot of people welcome is, you know what, I, I get it that you're a go-getter, but how about can you help me out? It's, maybe I'm not like that. How can I start at least? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's a... Uh... That's like so beyond my pay grade with, no, <laughs> with no. the psychological that like it's but it's so real. It's it's just so so real. Uh, so how how can you start being a go getter? I guess or or what like tiny steps or what? Because because the emotional part, like just just tell somebody ask for help. But but what specifically? On, on this one, I'm, I'm, there's no right or wrong answer. Just like kind of like how can we help someone that doesn't have that emotional intelligence when it comes to stress or when it comes to well, pursuing their, they want to open up a business, they want to sell mm-hmm. clothes, uh, they want to open a clothing store, something around that, but then something happens, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure the dynamics for your staff, you have nine uh, people there. You you also notice kind of a little bit what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. That for this issue, like there's one way that she reacted and maybe another person reacts totally negative to that. Mm-hmm. But if we analyze, it's not her fault. It's just the, she hasn't had maybe prior 
uh, good role models, sure. experience, a yeah. lot of different things. So we have to use empathy to wait, wait a second. Let's not blame negative Nancy at 100% because the truth <laughs> is there's something going on there. So one of my goals is through this is also help that out. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I'm invested in this is my daughter comes home with a lot of um, stories from school Uh from other girls that are like, I can't believe that that's how they get treated at home. Like, oh my God, this is how when they're adults, they're shitty adults. This is like the haters. This is the people. And we don't realize, wait, it's not their fault. It's the fault over here. So I'm trying to see if we can get someone Mm -hmm. that are in between that we can help them out with anything right so that's kind of like my take okay that was a lot of that so drink some water see if you can help me out with that <laughs> i guess so so on your last point i think that that childhood trauma and emotional stuff and and all of that like nasty stuff that we go to go through that affects our self-esteem is freaking terrible and you know if you're lucky enough to go through therapy if you're lucky enough to to have that opportunity you can work through that but as adults we can still choose how we react to that trauma right and and that's and that's something that that i have had to go through years of therapy right to realize um yeah but i guess reaching Reaching those girls that aren't able to to ask for help. Because like in the female business world, I'm big on informational interviews, right? See somebody you like, ask them to go to coffee, see what it's really like, talk to them. Most of the time, if you get us in a one-on-one non-competitive situation, like we're great and we will offer you the world. It's just that first step of, of intimidating, you know, like asking them, right? So, so that in the business world, um, I was talking with my colleague, I don't know if you know Cynthia Lopez, she's an immigration attorney. Uh, I think she's the owner of Johnny Cash Bar, actually. Yes! I've done my research on half of El Paso, <laughs> by the way. Cynthia is amazing. So we were actually just having this conversation uh, Friday about what, what we want to do is what's lacking here, I think, for young women like high schoolers, early college, law school. Is, is having that women's mentorship and having, like, teaching them things about being a woman in business that they don't teach you in school and they don't teach you in high school and they don't, you know, and, and giving them those skills and that mindset that may get them out of some pretty sticky situations when they're young women because there are so many stories, you know, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing. It's a lifestyle choice, but, like, they got pregnant or they decided to drop out of school for a guy or they moved somewhere for a guy, guilty as charged, right? Like, and and so to provide that, that role model. So Cynthia and I are thinking about putting a program together where we do, it's a three-step program. It's the first four weeks are classes. And we have women throughout El Paso teach like a subject, like, you know, learning about financials and one of them's social media and one of them's, you know, like whatever, right? And then we do... Uh, a week of shadowing where they go in and they shadow one of these business owners or whatever and then the last week is like a placement so it's like a little internship right and then doing like a pitch competition at the end so they get to go like through this whole scenario where they learn and then they experience and that for for young women so doesn't have to be that opportunity, but providing those opportunities for a a younger girl to speak with someone who has gotten through some has some life experience that's not a family member i think that's key 
Wow. I, I, in my brain, as you're saying this, I'm, like, I'm so glad that I we're having this conversation because that's my thing. I, I My take on, on this podcast now is not only like to highlight popular people or people successful business owners. I want someone thinking outside themselves, making an impact. Mm -hmm. And and when I see what you're doing, how you're doing, like definitely now that you're sharing this because I wasn't aware of this, like, yes, that's what we need. And if we boil it down to what it is, mm -hmm. is showing people, women in this case, a different perspective sure. that they're not finding at home or mm -hmm. or in their surroundings. And that's it. Once you have that, well, hopefully you're able to grasp a lot of great things from there, but understand that so much things going on outside of, of your world. Right. Wow. Any plans, any, any, any time of when this is happening? Is this just something that just start so this, if you uh, can. this was like, one of my ideas that just pops into okay. my head uh this is a great one though by the way hopefully you wrapped on the time so yeah, you can I'm go back and, i didn't okay. i don't maybe my most brilliant time is like two in the morning who knows <laughs> uh but yeah so we're thinking of getting this together by this summer so cynthia is in puerto vallarta because she's celebrating her 10-year um business anniversary so go sin uh but But we have another, Jordan Hartshorn, who's another female lawyer. She does family law and a little bit of criminal. Uh, she's on board, too. And we actually have one or two interns already picked out, but we haven't put together, like, the curriculum piece, and we haven't sort of advertised to to the high schools and things like that. So we're sort of, we're putting that together. I hope it can be in place by June, maybe, like, a small cohort of, of girls. But, yeah, it's it's another way to give back and, and show, like, just positive female role models and like there is literally I mean there's probably some things but a lot of things that girls are going through I've gone through I know somebody who's gone through or it's just I am empathetic to right like it, we all share a lot of the same problems and that and we don't realize that we don't realize how many things attract us and how many similarities we have we just focus on the differences sometimes Like, I could never, you know, I'm a high school junior, and I come from whatever background, and she's a lawyer and whatever. Like, they don't see all the struggles and all the craziness that happened in between her when I was a young girl as well. Yeah, that that is so true. Um, th again, the challenge with that project, if I can give you some feedback, mm -hmm. now that we're talking about, it's finding the right people. And what I mean by that, someone that seeks to be part of that group there's a high chance they're already thinking on that mindset, mm -hmm. so they're gonna be okay in life. It's kind of like uh, uh, choosing someone that is not even thinking about that. You like know give what them I, the opportunity. Yeah, like, like that, select. Exactly, yeah. mm -hmm. instead of like, because like, a lot of people that want to have this mindset, but they already have something going on, they'll find it through books or through other things. So mm -hmm. the challenge is if, again, if you want to impact, may, maybe have a higher impact, the, the way, again, it's my opinion, is that it's just choosing the right, moment that well not the right moment sorry the, the right people the right stage for you guys to i think that's this. a great like that's some great feedback because yeah i mean we can go into any school right and pick some maybe maybe some girls that are struggling maybe that you know a teacher sees has some potential but maybe are not applying themselves or give them that type of opportunity 100 i love it i love it nice. all right well uh, we hopefully have a conversation outside this podcast around that see yeah. how i can help out um a lot of times especially when i started doing this podcast of course i was doing this conversation there's a lot of things going on but i noticed my daughter picking up things not everything like from the especially from the female guests that i had mm -hmm. like for example when i had elias parsa oh my god this this thing that she said the way she said it that really helped me mm -hmm. out just swing as well and to me it was like Well, to me, it doesn't make a difference because I already have this mindset. 
I can't believe it that I have had this conversation with her a hundred times. And the same thing Elia says, and now you pick it up and like, oh, this little girl. But that's why you're a great dad, right? You're giving Well, I'm trying my best. Uh, but the truth is that we never see the impact True. until, of course, my daughter was able to vocalize that. But how many other people maybe are taking something from this conversation, but we will never know. Mm-hmm. But the truth is that we know, for example, what the, the things that you're sharing, I, I, I'm sure someone will be benefited from that. So, again, I want to thank, thank you for your time for things that you have shared. I know we're on a, on, on a hard stop, but okay. I, I'm going to just ask you some um, additional questions that I okay. have for you. Um, as far as role models, one of your posts, I know this was in the women's conference you share about mm-hmm. local role models. Mm-hmm. It seems you're already doing something about it. It's yeah. not only talking about what the problem is, mm-hmm. but uh, just for anyone that's not familiar with that, basically a post saying is that there is a lack of role models in El Paso, basically. Is that- I think anywhere in general, but okay. I think that we're... Those who could be really awesome role models aren't as approachable as they should be, and they don't make themselves as available as they should. And we as women have this tendency, I don't know why, to just compete and act awful to each other and just like, oh, right? And there's enough to go around for for everybody. So yeah, um, I've found my most significant role models in my colleagues, like Cynthia, like Michelle, like Jordan, you know, all of the women that are willing to be team players and supportive. Um, Jesswina, another one. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of lack of female role models because they're not not because they don't exist, because they don't make themselves available. Whether I mean, and even to like other business women, they don't. They just what do you don't think that themselves. is? Competition, time, uh, self esteem too. Like, well, I don't think anybody cares what I have to say, right? Like, but we forget. A lot of the things that we've gone through are valuable lessons for other people that haven't gone through those yet. So so those kind of things, I think, yeah, all of that. Uh, by the way, um, I, I was going to, and also like the audience or the person seeking that mentorship or that additional help, they need to understand that the person giving that help, they're not 100% on everything. There's a lot of issues going on, but they must pick up on the things that they know they're experts and they know mm-hmm. the subject, right? Because a lot of times what I see is that, um, for example, someone may not reach out to someone because even though they're really good in business, they're really good with money, mm-hmm. but they see that they had a divorce. Just giving you an example. Sure. Wait a second. Are you going to ask them about relationship? No, right? You're going to ask <laughs> you, them about you your business, right? Or so maybe you need you to be smart about that as far as, hey, does that make them a bad person? Not even the divorce does, but then automatically people tend to think that that person who's going to mentor them or give mm-hmm. them advice mm-hmm. has to be all around perfect. Like perfect. And, and that doesn't exist. That's how, yeah. Yeah, it so. doesn't. It doesn't exist at all. Yeah. So, so find somebody who's I I guess what's less intimidating for people is like the informational interview setting, but also if somebody is better at something than you are, then you can learn from them, right? It doesn't have to be like the perfect or the best or the influencer with the most followers or the most, you know, awarded lawyer or whatever, the best artist. If somebody does something better than you, establish that relationship, learn, because you're going to teach them something during that too. Right? Because you're inherently better at something than they are. And it's just establishing those relationships and that network and being collaborative instead of competitive. And I think women are so bad at that. We're just bad. Well, hopefully through hearing conversations like this, little by little, the, 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 at least that we are able to plant the seed. And the fact mm-hmm. is that, again, once you're a good person, that's when everything else falls, right? For sure. You can be a, a, like good at one thing and maybe the other you can't. Mm-hmm. 
Alex, do you mind sharing a little bit of what uh, you were talking about as far as now that you've been um, sober for a couple of days? Can you tell me a little bit about, about the story behind it? How, how long? Um, when did you know it was a problem? Um, how's the process working so far? Do you mind sharing a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, I'll share about that. Uh, so I think I've always known because I'm not one of those drinkers. So here's here's the biggest misconception is that like you think you know what an alcoholic looks like. Right. And you're thinking of like the person who's destitute, like homeless on the street with his bottle, like getting in trouble, going to jail, whatever. I mean, that's not that's not the case. There's professors, there's judges, there's business people, there's moms, there's everybody that are alcoholics. I wasn't one of those ones that drank every day or all day. I was one of those ones that had one drink and then had 12. And I was a binge drinker and it affected me mentally and emotionally, financially for sure. And then hangovers right you get old you have two hangovers and you're just a piece of shit and you can't and you can't get your mind right and your relationships suffer and you're so freaking selfish and so I didn't know it was a problem like well I didn't admit that I was an alcoholic until um January of of this year and I had seen a post I think did Jess mean to share about this so I can share about this all right so I saw a post of of one of my dear friends uh, and sober sister Jess saying that she had been sober for 115 days and this is another power of social media right because without that post I would have had no idea I would have no idea and so I asked her about it and I said like hey that's great like when did you make the decision because I think in the back of my head I knew like I need to cut this shit out. I really do. Like it need it needs to stop. And so um, she poured her heart out to me and got me to my first AA meeting. And and then I've I've continued. Uh, and I'm so much happier. Like I'm so like it's so much better. And there are days, you know, what they don't. I mean, you can self medicate with anything. And so early sobriety is tough for people, whether it's off a substance or off alcohol or whatever it is because all those mental health things that you were numbing all that stress that you were trying to you know reduce by drinking or drugging or whatever uh all that comes up right because now you're not suppressing it in any manner and so there's some pretty pretty deep valleys and some pretty high peaks in it and then you just kind of like work on balancing out Uh, but, but overall, like business is better. My relationship is better. My relationship with my family is better. Um, my ability to process like frustrating things, bad things, like my head is screwed on right. Like that's, that's the difference. And I'm able to like intelligently process things. So for me at like, I, I hope I never go, go back to, to drinking because I just can't handle it. Like I just can't handle it. Thank you so much for sharing with Jasuna. Share that out. Like, oh my God, thank you so much for doing that. That's something that puts yourself in a vulnerable place, but you're mm -hmm. willing to do it to help out someone else. So that speaks volume of you. So I, I just want to thank you again. Uh, one follow-up question that sure. I did have from from the from that set is like, how can someone just like and, and you kind of did um, answer this? Like again, I don't drink and drive. I don't drink every day, mm -hmm. but maybe it's a weekend thing. How? Like, what are some of the signs that, you know, you do have a problem? Even though just when I said, you know, you know when you do have a you problem. Totally know, but yeah. then at the same time, I, I think there's people that may drink once a month and maybe they have a bad discussion. I don't know. Tell me what are some of the signs that maybe someone can um, can take from this and maybe see if, if that um, applies on them. 
Totally. So a, a couple of things that I would recommend. The first is like if you're regulating your drinking in any manner, like if you're saying and in, in, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is it talks about regulate, you know, if you if you say, oh, I'm switching from hard liquor to beer, or, I'm only going to drink on weekends or I'm only going to have two or, you know, I'm, I'm only going to drink between these hours or I'm only going to like when you start regulating your intake, the reason that you're regulating is probably maybe because you have a problem. Not, you know, that's not a hard and fast rule. But if you're thinking like, holy shit, I went a little too hard. Like I need to regulate myself. Mm, probably got a problem. If you think or if you're just curious, like uh, AA is not the scary thing full of like guys who have been to prison. Like it's not. It's we have an awesome community um, and go with somebody message me if you want to go like I'll go with you uh but you'll start and you don't ever have to say anything but people share their stories and of course it's anonymous so you can't talk about what you heard or who is there but they'll share their stories about alcohol and for me I hear things that I did or ways that I thought or how I acted from somebody else and I'm like well oh Oh, they're definitely an alcoholic. They're acting like that. I acted like that. Okay, guys. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So going and learning. And and if you're not, you're not. But you don't lose anything. And you might – like some of my dearest friends right now are, are from AA. I mean, they're just so, so supportive. And, and the stories are amazing in all walks of life. So like that is – that is a gift. That is the biggest gift of 2021 for me so far. And that's such a great example because you, as far as like identifying, because if you are catching yourself that every single time you go out, there's you putting yourself a limit. There's a reason why you're doing that, yep. right? Yep. And then you, again, and that can vary from person to person. And, mm -hmm. and guess what? That's kind of like, I don't know anything about this. Or do I, right? But, <laughs> well, I or do know. I, right? <laughs> but that's such a great way to call it out first, that self-awareness, mm -hmm. and then from there, take a different step. Yeah, yeah, just go or watch some videos or whatever. I mean, I researched for years benefits of stopping drinking, right? And then I thought I could like intellectually do it, right? Like so I would go on these, I would say I'm not going to drink for 30 days and then I wouldn't. And then on day 30, I'm like planning how to get shit-faced. Like who's going to drive me home and where I'm going to go and how many bottles of wine am I going to take? Because I had a problem. Like it wasn't about changing a lifestyle. It wasn't about admitting that I'm an alcoholic, how do we, f you know, fix that or treat that? Or It was just like, I can power through this and, you know, check the box. Ah, okay. And yeah, and and that never, never stuck. And again, I can't say this is going to stick. I hope, I hope it does. But like, it's, it's a total mindset shift and hearing, they call it hearing God speak through others, but, you know, if you're not a religious person, it is what it is. But you hear those stories and you, you develop a fellowship with other people because only other alcoholics can understand alcoholics. Nice. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm sure it's going to help someone. I hope so. I hope so. In your Instagram caption, you put proud vegan. Mm -hmm. I follow a lot of local people. I'm not going to even say like uh, superstars, anything. Local people that they're very passionate about being vegan. Uh -huh. You seem you are. I am. 
Okay, I, I, I think I know what that means, but why are people so passionate about that? What is it? it it's, it's not the food. It might be. I'm not, I'm not, I'm hey, not an expert. Hey, the food's great. <laughs> okay. Oh, he's trash talking now. Okay. No, no, but what okay, is it? Okay, Storm, that? if you are okay. listening or watching this, send some of your meals over this way. Uh, <laughs> okay, what is it about veganism? What is it about... Um, how did you start? When did you start um, this lifestyle? Because it is a lifestyle, mm -hmm. I believe. Talk to me a little bit about that. Please. Okay, so I started in uh, November of 2016, right before Thanksgiving. So that was a treat. Uh, excuse me. And I had a trainer who was vegan, and I was having some trouble losing weight. And he's like, go vegan, go vegan. And I was like, again, you know, I always do this, right? Bullshit. I'm not going to take your opinion. I'm going to go research it, whatever. Um, and then in researching it, uh, I started watching some of those videos that people call propaganda, but like I'm a huge animal lover, like the biggest animal lover in the whole world. Um, and so like watching the videos and being like, oh, that's how we get a steak. Like intellectually, I knew that, but watching the videos. So I'm like, I'm totally an ethical vegan. I think meat tastes delicious, but I don't want any animals dying to feed me because I don't need it. Uh, but why am I so passionate about it? It's great for the environment. It's The food is good. I'm much healthier. Uh, so some of the benefits of veganism you can only experience by being a vegan, obviously, but so much of the inflammation in my body was due to either mild allergies or any sort of toxicity with meat and dairy products and eggs and things like that. So I lost two ring sizes and a shoe size. A shoe size? Yeah, you don't you lose shoe, shoe sizes. How's, you don't. Okay. Inflammation. Ooh. My body was so, you know, inflamed because of what I was eating that once that was gone and that was processed out of my system, things, you know, you don't typically like change your ring size either, but... Yeah, so so that was huge. Um, my skin's better, my hair's better, my just like I sleep better, <laughs> you know, notwithstanding all the crazy idea dreams. <laughs> but yeah, so so I started to see results that way and how I felt, uh, and and that made me passionate about it too. But I'm not one of those like crazy ones that if you eat a steak in front of me, I'm gonna be like, oh, you animal killer, right? <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm not like that. Uh, but I'm very passionate about it. Um, I slip up sometimes. You do? Oh, yeah. How often? Once a year? Oh, God, once no, every more week? than I'm human. No, I, I love <laughs> I'm human. I don't want to put you in a bad spot. There. No, actually, two times a week I'm at no. McDonald's or something. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but I do McDonald's fries, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think they have, like, bad seasoning on them. Um, so my kryptonite's eggs. Like, I can give up cheese. I can give up meat i haven't had meat since 2016 uh but sometimes i slip up with eggs for sure eggs are so good they're tasty um so that's i would say like now um frequently i have eggs but before i would say like once a month i would slip up maybe less is maybe it like difficult to months. to maintain that lifestyle as i was researching just like the like i usually give my guests a gift card like does Chipotle offer vegan yes, options? Because if not, tofu. I don't know which other place to go. I'm going to turn know? into a soybean. I eat so much tofu. Uh, I'm sorry. What was your question? Is it difficult to be a vegan here in El Paso? No, the, no. No, no, no. It's no, not. No. There's oh. a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff here. And like, I mean, like any other diet, you can be a trash vegan, eat all processed crap, or you could be like eating fresh organic vegetables. Like it's, it's whatever. Um, I think what's tough for me is like I started like eating eggs a little bit. Like once I gave up the booze, it's like, okay, well, I'm giving up this vice. Like maybe I could have some <laughs> eggs. But yeah, I, 
No, over the most part, like El Paso is really vegan friendly. It's definitely vegetarian friendly. Really, I would say. Mm. Okay, want to do a little bit of research because the people that I follow is not only that they um, recommend is that they're very passionate about, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of doing research, and I'm sure it doesn't hurt to try it, right? Just to see. Just try, like try it, see if you like it. Um, I know a lot of people that did it for a period of time and then maybe had some health issues or their body didn't respond really well because you don't get your B12, you don't get some type of other aminos that come from animal products. Uh, but like my cholesterol is basically zero. <laughs> uh, my blood pressure is amazingly low. Like I'm super, knock on wood, grace of God, healthy. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for today's conversation. Yeah, thank you. I must ask the last question that what I asked it? every guest. Okay. You already answered um, part of the question. What is one thing you love about El Paso and one thing you would like to change or improve? Oh, putting me on the spot. Okay, so I love, like everybody says, it's like the biggest small town ever. I love that I didn't know you before today. Mm -hmm. And I can walk in and you're genuinely welcoming and happy to see me and just like, it makes me feel like I fit in, right? And I, I'm from a wildly different background, but like I love that. It's just like an energy. I just love it. Uh, the thing that I wish I could change in doing, like when I talk to a lot of people, a lot of people have not been anywhere else. And I wish that more, especially young women, would have the opportunities to get out of El Paso and experience something somewhere else. And if they come back, fantastic, because they're bringing their love and their knowledge and their experiences back to El Paso to make the community bigger and better. But I just see a lot of, and I don't want to say this in a negative way, but like lifers, like people that have been in El Paso all their life and, and haven't experienced other places. Yeah. And so I wish there was more of an emphasis on that. And it's problematic because we're like kind of isolated, right, where we are in Texas. Uh, but I would just encourage go somewhere, travel, do just take a little time for that go to college somewhere else go to you know do your community college here and then transfer whatever you need to do to have just a slightly different experience and if you hate it at least you learn something wow very well said mm -hmm. as far as there's so many benefits of traveling mm -hmm. the people you interact the cultures um i was talking to this to a teacher um a teacher the uh the rick ramirez I, I, if I had any uh, position of power, I would make mandatory in high school or middle school for someone to live, uh, to go abroad and live an exchange student for a full year. Oh, and that alone will remove idea. all racism, all, all the, the thoughts of, oh, we're better than another mm -hmm. nation. No, we're not. We're all of us are the same. But you really experience that once you see how other people just like me and you we're, we're the same, you know, mm -hmm. it's just a different way to say things. But okay. Well, that's well put. Again, I, I want to thank you. I want to thank everyone who watched the, the full episode. I'm sorry about going past your your, oh, your heart no. stop, by the how, way. How far past are Oh. Okay. Well, that's kind oh. of a different story. But uh, <laughs> I'm in big <laughs> trouble now. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Adios. <laughs>